Thanks for taking time to listen to this episode of The Real Rescue Podcast. Take a minute to go to therealrescue.com to check out these and other great deals from our sponsors here at The Real Rescue. This episode of The Real Rescue Podcast is brought to you by Breeze Eastern, the world's only dedicated helicopter hoist and winch provider, Axness. Because when lives are at stake and conditions are challenging, clear communication is of the utmost importance. Life Saving Systems Corporation. We do our work so you can do yours. Tough gear for tough jobs. And SR3 Rescue Concepts, because you don't know what you don't know. Breeze Eastern. They dedicate themselves to our helicopter rescue world. Since the very first helicopter rescue in November of 1945, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured superior rescue hoist solutions. While much of the technology and the unique mission requirements have changed over the past 75 years, their commitment to the rescuers, the operators, and those being rescued has not. Contact them today by visiting them at breeze-eastern.com. The Axness PNG Wireless ICS System can bring cutting-edge wireless intercommunication system technology to any aircraft. The PNG system can be fully integrated into an existing ICS system or can be carried on and off as a mobile base station. They can go anywhere, at any time, on any aircraft. Plus, with the strongest and most robust waterproofed handheld on the market, this system can take a hit and keep working. Their wireless intercom systems are designed to enhance situational awareness through improved communication capability. This system brings superior noise canceling technology to eliminate rotor wash and engine noise from your ICS. The Axness PNG wireless system is currently deployed in more than 1,800 public safety, air ambulance, and search and rescue aircrafts worldwide. I have personally used the Axness system in four different countries and on five different airframes. It is awesome. If you want more information, contact them today at axness.com. That's A-X-N-E-S dot com. You just make sure you tell them Quinny sent me. Life Saving Systems Corporation. They manufacture the world's toughest helicopter rescue gear. From my favorite harness as a rescueman, the Triton harness, to the rescue baskets, the litters, and of course, the most popular hook in all helicopters, the D-Lock. The team at LSE will cut bend, sew, weld, and machine these products into existence every day. We do our work so you can do yours. LSC, tough gear for tough jobs. Check them out today at lifesavingsystems.com and follow them on Instagram at rescuegear. That's at R-E-S-Q-G-E-A-R. And SR3 Rescue Concepts is a training company that can help with your helicopter training, a standardization and safety check, or maybe just an audit or an FAA refresher. They are here to bring your agency up to date with the most current techniques, rules, regulations, and equipment. The training staff is awesome. With the certified flight instructor pilots, experienced crew members, which I am happy to say that I am one of them, they offer training in rescue, medical, tactical, firefighting, ground operations, and night vision goggle use. SR3 is also partnered with Petzl 
to assist with personal protective equipment and the highly specific Lazard. SR-3 also goes beyond the helicopter world as they provide high angle rescue training and tactical medicine training. Contact them today at sr3rescueconcepts.com or over on Instagram at sr3 underscore rescue. I know I tell you guys that I love it when Coast Guard rescue swimmers come on to the show. Well, I do. And the fact that I've got another one coming on right now, which even goes beyond the Coast Guard into Air Force pararescue stuff, these stories are like awesome. And I'm totally pumped for all you guys to hear it. So please welcome our next guest, United States Coast Guard rescue swimmer number 797, Mr. Tyler Gansel. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard rescue swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Real Rescue Podcast. I've got another brother with me today. I, I love it when rescue swimmers come on, and he's actually gone even further than that. We're going to get into that too, but United States Coast Guard rescue swimmer number 797, Mr. Ty Ganzel. Did I say that right? Yeah, you sure did. Are, are you lying? <laughs> got it right or... the first time. Okay. <laughs> no, that's it. Ty, that's it. Mr. Ty Ganzel. I'll do that again. <laughs> I'm just kidding. What's up, Ty? How are you, brother? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. I really do appreciate it. Are you kidding me? This love, is... love your show. Love your show. Oh, thanks, man. I, I am super stoked to have you. I, you know, you and I have, have been in touch a little bit, and uh, you sent me some awards, and I was I was kind of beside myself reading some of them, and I'm like, oh my god, like some of the stuff that you've been through. So I'm very excited to hear about it. I'm excited for everybody that's listening to hear this. It's it's going to be awesome. So, but before I go that far. If you don't mind, just take a little bit, introduce yourself, tell everybody kind of where you are, who you are, a little background about you, how you got into Coast Guard, and how you got into being a rescue swimmer. Uh, yeah, like you said, uh, my name's Ty. Um, yeah, the how I got into Coast Guard is pretty funny. I, I did college baseball for a little bit out of uh, El Paso, Texas, and then uh, I was like, man, I got to do something, do something else, so... I literally went to the shopping mall and went to all the recruiters, but no one was there except the Coast Guard recruiter. And Go that's just how I got in. Yeah. <laughs> in the middle of the <laughs> desert. Um, that's hilarious. So, yeah, literally did boot camp a couple months later and then ended up on the melon with not even thinking about being a rescue swimmer. I just joined to join. And then uh, I was actually going to go AET and I got to air station, uh, Port Angeles, you know, for the airman program stuff. Yep. And, uh, um, John Lamborn who's the chief there. And then, uh, Tim Adams was the first, Sean Durant, a bunch of other guys. Um, dude, I know all then, those guys. Yeah. Tim's Tim's a hothead. He's awesome. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, John Lamborn, Tim Adams just like looked at me when I was in uh, the AT airman program, they're like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> and they're like, you'd make, you'd make a good swimmer. I was like, I have no idea what that is. And so they just show me around a bit. And then, uh, I think I was a duck. I was like, 
this was pretty sweet. <laughs> so started over, you know, my list on the ASD uh, A school. And then, uh, yeah, a year later, I was back at Air Station Port Angeles in the Airman program with those same guys. And, um, yeah, did, did that whole deal. Went to school, graduated school, went to Astoria. So Dude, that's, awesome. that's pretty much my story. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good, man. That's yeah. Go Tim and go Sean. And yeah. Come on, man. Good job guys. Dude, yeah. Dude, that was, that was such a good shot. Yeah. They, yeah. they beat the heck out of me, but they're, they're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I could, yeah. I could tell you stories about Tim. Oh my gosh. Him and I wrestled. Oh, and he was like, he was, he was like, Oh, he yeah, loves to wrestle. Yeah. Wrestle in high school. Now, Tim, I, I don't remember exactly how tall he is. He's like 5'10, maybe on a good day. So I'm sitting at six foot four and, you know, we're rolling. Next thing I know, I'm like in a pretzel. I'm like, All right, Tim. All right, Tim. Yeah. Let me just straighten out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was so funny. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, you mentioned you did a, uh, you were a duck. So for those that don't know, a duck or the duck syllabus is what we call it in the Coast Guard. Um, it's somebody that can go out with a rescue swimmer as a survivor. So we deploy somebody that go through a little bit of training. And that way we know they're not going to freak out when they get to the water all by the moats themselves. And, and then we go down there and they use, we use those ducks as, as survivor training stuff. So that's, that's pretty cool that they get you all set up for that to kind of pave yeah, the way. It was good. That's, yep. that's awesome. So, <laughs> Sweet. so yeah, they, they finally sent me to a school that was like 2010. Um, yeah. And then graduated like 2011 at the beginning. And uh, I had to go through, I had to go through a school twice. Um, I got set back at the, the parachute or the dual aviator um uh, multi just because i went yeah. over time three times so uh, i had to do it i'm sorry that, start that first two months over but you know what just makes you better makes that's you better true. man that is true <laughs> i i do feel for you for that one though <laughs> yeah oh yeah good for you way, way to stick with it um all right so now you get to astoria oregon uh cape disappointment columbia river kick out like one yeah. of the worst or barge or what is it the the worst bars in the yeah. west coast or and or the america off the top of my head it is yeah. gnarly out there absolutely crazy so you get qualified do you remember your first case oh yeah vividly vividly um is I that had, one of these that you I sent me just out of curiosity uh yes yeah um, oh. it was in 2011, summer of oh. 2011. So I got to read this. Oh, okay. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> the write-ups are always, Actually, always wonderful. <laughs> I got to tell you, man, I I've read some write-ups and this one is, is pretty legit. I was like, wow. Uh, if, is it on Archer mountain? Is that the one you had? Yes. Yeah. And the Columbia that, river Gorge is kind of where is, it was at. This was your first case. It was, yeah. I switched duty with, the. Uh, uh, I think it was Byron Cross, if you knew, if you know him. I do not, um, but I'm excited to meet yeah, him. Yeah, <laughs> he's a great dude. Um, yeah, he just switched, and it, as you know, that's how it happens. It's always that's when you switch duty with somebody. That's awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry to your boy. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, let me, let me read this, and then um, 
yeah, give us a rundown of how this went on because the write-up, like I said, is amazing. So citation to accompany the award of the Coast Guard Combination Medal to Tyler J. Gansel, Aviation Survival Technician, third class, United States Coast Guard. Pedasa Gansel is cited for outstanding achievement while serving as rescue swimmer aboard Coast Guard Helicopter 6011 on 29 July 2011 during the rescue of two downed hikers from a cliff near Archer Mountain in Washington. The crew of the 6011 arrived on scene at 2300 to find the distressed hikers under a tree on a small ledge about 150 feet down the cliff face. Pastor Gansel bravely volunteered to deploy down the vertical surface to assess the situation. He demonstrated exceptional professionalism and determination as he cliff walked down the vertical surface, momentarily losing visual reference with the helicopter. He then quickly disconnected from the hook, navigated thick brush and steep terrain, and joined the survivors. Pastor Gansel immediately began treating the critically injured member whom was suffering from a broken back and shattered ankle. Quickly determining the need for a litter hoist, Pedasa Gansel sought out the only suitable hoisting location and advised a helicopter above. Displaying traits of a seasoned rescue swimmer, Pedasa Gansel requested the helicopter to illuminate the area with the night sun to expedite transferring the critically injured survivor onto the backboard. While transporting the loaded backboard, to the litter, with help from the other survivor, Pastor Gansel noticed him struggling with the terrain as his helper lost footing and slid towards the edge of the cliff. In one determined act, Pastor Gansel vigorously pulled the backboard and the survivor five feet up the steep slope to safety. With extreme focus, Pastor Gansel tended the litter out from under the tree and up the cliff to the helicopter. He then used his body to shield the other survivor from tree limbs and jagged rock face as they were hoisted to safety. Pedersen Gansel's actions were that of an experienced multi-tour rescue swimmer and instrumental in saving the lives of the critical injured hiker. His dedication, judgment, and devotion to duty are most heartily commended in keeping with the highest traditions of the United States Coast Guard. Holy shit, that is Freaking insane. Yes. Dude, that's a lot awesome. of tongue twist, tongue twister. <laughs> totally, but wow. Yeah. Okay. It was um, it was a good one. So you're not supposed to be on duty. You switched, alarm goes off. What comes over the, the alarm? Uh just uh I don't think there was a SAR alarm. They just called me up to the op center. Um and then uh <laughs> Yeah, they called me up to the op center just to talk about what was going on. Um, and the, the, the call was basically a couple of teenagers were just scrambling, free climbing, you know, in that like fourth class terrain where, you know, a little, little bit sketchy and in the Columbia River Gorge. And one of them had slipped and fell and landed on a, a tree before he, you know, tomahawked uh, down all the way uh, down the gorge, Columbia River oh. Gorge. God. And it was, it was nighttime. So the, the volunteer, um, uh, rope rescue couldn't get to him via down below or up top. 
So that's why they just requested a helicopter and we're the only asset that was available. So we, we went ahead and launched on that that night. And uh, <clears throat> transit was uh, fairly short, maybe about 30 minutes. And then uh, they were about, I think like it said, 150 or so feet down this cliff face and this little narrow, narrow cliff band with uh, just kind of steep vegetation. And then it was another uh, sheer cliff about 300 feet down from there uh, to the road system. So we talked about it and uh, you know, as your, your first, your first uh, uh, SAR case, you're just like, I could do this, (laughs) you know, Um, I got this. And uh, yep, yep. And uh, I remember the flight mechanic is uh, once they put me out the door, looking at the hoist cam footage and you know all the internal ICS talk. Uh, talk. They're just like, no offense to uh, to rescue swimmers, but you know how they can get when they're new. You know that's what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so that was pretty funny. But, <laughs> but you know what? It had the, the, the deed has to get done, you know, either way. So, um, yeah, it was nighttime and it was about a 200 foot hoist, which they, they couldn't see, they could barely see your hand and arm signals, uh, that far down, even with the reflective tape on there. So, um, side note real quick, finally, were you, uh, one, did you have night vision goggles on by chance? Just for the search, but, um, Getting hoisted. Yeah, so that's we, not that's not a normal Coast Guard procedure or anything to get hoisted in goggles. I just I wasn't sure because they're so far down. You know, it's always always yeah. a question that comes up. So but yeah, anyway. I do that nowadays, that's for sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> um yeah. So finally got to that cliff band, and uh it would have been very, very tough hoisting. We didn't hoist directly on them because we didn't want to you know, rotor wash blow rocks down on them because we're within 10 feet of the cliff anyways with the rotor blades. So everyone was on point, you know, just trying to, you know, wash the rotor clearance. Um, so we kind of offset a little bit and made the decision to, uh, to unclip. And I, as soon as I unclipped, I was like, well, I'm, I'm in it now. This is very, very steep. And I just got to, <laughs> got to roll with the punches. So Ended up uh, bushwhacking, getting over uh, to him and his buddy, and his buddy did an awesome job. He actually lit a. That's how we found him. He lit a little fire um, on the side of the cliff, and then gave uh, his injured buddy all his clothes. So this what? guy was just in in his boxers. Yeah, he's a good friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great friend. Yeah, I do it for you. And okay. uh, just throw that out there. Yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> So what I saw was, um, gosh, this is such a difficult uh, packaging job. This kid, um, he, where, where he fell is where he was. And he was about on this overhanging tree, about five feet up this tree, in the tree. He wasn't on the ground. So it was, it was a very interesting problem to solve. So um, just saw what was going on. And then I was looking around and I was like, how, how the heck am I going to get the litter down here? Um, Cause if not, it was just going to have to be a quick drop because of the, the terrain's too difficult to package with the litter. So Did you know he had a broken back at the time. 
yes, I had done a like a my rapid trauma assessment yeah. and then obvious obvious step offs and then he had shattered his leg as well. Wow! Um, wow! You, you, you could see. You could you could feel all the crepitation in his leg, and then you could see obvious step offs like mid mid spine. Holy smoke! Did he have um, feeling in his so, feet? Out of curiosity, I don't know if you remember. No, that. He, no, no uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I could I couldn't feel his pulses in his his leg that was affected. So I was like, Damn. gosh dang it! <laughs> yeah, a litter seems more appropriate. Um, so I radioed to uh, um, the helicopter and said, "Hey, I need the litter." And they had, uh, dropped the, uh, the tag or I call them taglines now, but the trail line, yep. um, with the weight bag and they just connect, you know, two of them together and then lowered that. And then I think I've read one of your other podcasts, you know, they clip it to the hoist hook, you know, which I don't do anymore. <laughs> Everything's <laughs> the foot of, foot of the litter, but that's beside the fact, you know, things, things got we the, learn. things we learn. It, it, I tell you, man, but, uh, We'll get into that later. Yeah, I, was, yeah, <laughs> I, I, ta- I tagged it on down and it was such good hoisting from the FE and for the flight mech. I'm sorry if I interchange words from different services. <laughs> yeah, no, you're good. I, you know what? Everybody out there knows exactly who you're talking about. So you're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the litter is coming down and it was just bouncing off the cliffs, you know, because it's, sw- it's pivoting, you know, on the hoist hook. And, uh, I get it to this one spot. Um, and those guys did an awesome job. They already packaged the rusty strop, uh, the smaller backboard and my EMT stuff in there without me even asking, which was awesome. Cool. Um, pretty experienced, pretty experienced, uh, guys up front and then the flight mechanic in the back. So just took out the smaller backboard, went down to the, to, uh, the patient and, uh, and I told his buddy, I was like, dude, I'm going to need everything you have right now because it's just you and me. And this is very like non-forgiven terrain. And the, the, his buddy was just like, Roger that I'll give you whatever you want. Um, so that, that was awesome. It would have been hard pressed to do it without one other guy. So we ended up packaging them in the tree into the, the smaller backboard. And it was, it was so diff- It was so difficult to do it safely too, you know, um, cause one slip, you know, cause it's a very wet, steep, uh, you know, steep terrain. So one slip would have been pretty bad. Um, so we got him packaged and we're going up this steep, steep, uh, little scree field up to this, this, uh, hoisting area, which is like a nice little kind of rocky platform, um, below the, the, the base of the cliff. So he was on the head of the litter. I was on the foot because, you know, I had mountaineering boots on over my dry suit, um, which doing that whole thing in a dry suit was, was not fun either. (laughs) (laughs) Probably lost about 10 pounds of water weight. (laughs) But, uh, um, anyways, uh, yeah, we went up to, uh, went up to the hoisting platform and then right before, you know, you get onto that platform, it was, a pretty steep, like physical move. And we tried to, he tried to swing his, his, uh, his body around to get the foot of, or the head of the litter up onto there. And he kind of slipped and was sliding. So that whole one move five feet up, I pretty much, that sounded more dramatic than it was, but I, I grabbed him um, where he was sliding 
and then just helped stabilize the litter. And then I just, you know, just deadlifted and just slid the litter up and over onto this uh, platform. And then I just grabbed him so he wouldn't fall. But um, it was, it was still, it's still pretty scary because I, I thought he was going for the ride. You know, I was like, my gosh, this is, <laughs> this is don't do it, dude. <laughs> wow. But uh, yeah, from there, um, to standard litter hoist, it was still pretty scary because the litter is pivoting and bouncing off the cliff face because it was very, um, it was probably about 90 degree cliff and uh, finally got that in the helicopter. I was like, yes. And then uh, um, hoist hook came back down. I just left the, I just left the, the tagline there on scene. I was like, I'm not going to bag this and deal with this. Yeah. So just quick, yeah. Rescue dropped uh, his, uh, his buddy and then just, you know, standard, you know, banging against cliffs, trying to fend it off. So, you know, this kid doesn't get all banged up either. And then we're in the helicopter and then went to the level one trauma center there in Portland. I forget the name of it, but uh, yeah, I did my pass down and that was that. <laughs> then we flew back to, you know, home base and talked about it. And <laughs> I think another crew in came in to replace us. So <laughs> <laughs> that, that was it <laughs> all right so out of curiosity so i i remember my first case like that too where it was just kind of it was gnarly and i remember going out the door thinking wow this is what we've trained for this, this is what it's all about when you got back and, and you're back to base did it ever dawn on you that that was like a gnarly case uh i was up all night i didn't sleep uh, i was just like man that was that was pretty cool this is gonna be it's gonna be a long career if they're all like this. <laughs> um, and then the the guys in my in my shop, which you probably know some of, dude, it was such a story. Had such a good shop, yeah, um, good dudes. Like Jason Shaleen was the chief. If you oh, ever met him, great guy, dude, great guy. Dude. Shout out yeah, to Jason. Yeah, yeah, Mike Spencer, all all those guys. But uh, yeah, they they had I guess looked over the hoist cam footage and the audio. Um, once I was off going and I came back in, they're just like, good job, man. So that was, that was cool to hear that from the older guys. Um, that, that's how a story it was, man. When I got there, you know, all the older guys are just like, you want to stand duty, man, port and starboard you're as a new guy. I was like, yeah, I want to stand duty. They're like, here you go. <laughs> you <know>? So, <laughs> so the, the three years I was there, I was fairly busy, you know, it was awesome. It was awesome having a good group of older dudes. Wow. What a way to start the career off. Holy cow. That's something else. All right. So now I got to ask, like, what was your second case? And I only ask that because you, with a case like that that starts it out, you you know, you get to your second where you're like, oh, it's going to be like that. And then you're like, oh. Honestly, it was, it was pretty, pretty epic, too. It was probably. Don't, don't tell me your second fun. one is the next, the next, like, right up. No, no, I oh, okay. actually, uh, it's, uh, it, it is not, but it was off Cape Mendocino, um, like 130 guys, miles off Cape. Holy yeah, cow. Yeah. So Cape it was like a month later. Cape Mendocino is in California. So that's yeah. like Humboldt Bay where I was stationed neck of the woods. So if you're going all the way down there, that means the 65 can't make it out to where the, the issue or the, the case is. Yeah, I think they're they're doing the fuel caps and they're going to have to deal with the 40 knot headwind just trying to get out there. So they, 
they didn't Jeez. they didn't have the the gas or the time like it i suppose um that's why the call came to came to us so um yeah one of the swimmers jared herbert uh came out and he's just like hey man you you, you got a sar case i was like okay what is it <laughs> and uh literally just found out about it when i was in the helicopter um because it was kind of like one of those things that just needed to happen so it was a sailboat um like a 60 foot uh, sailboat 130 miles off cape mendocino it was disabled and they took a couple waves um and that that's all we knew at the time two two persons on board so we just motored on down to Humboldt Bay and then gassed up at Humboldt Bay. It was, it was cool. Like Eric Bean was the chief down there. Oh, I love Eric. Like, he's like, yeah, he's awesome. He's awesome. Um, and he's just like, you son of a gun. You guys, you guys are coming down here, taking our, our missions. <laughs> you know? it, was, it was pretty funny, but he's just like, God, oh, I'm stoked for you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we gassed up and then went offshore. And then uh, as soon as we rounded the Cape, um, that's when like the winds and the waves really picked up. It wasn't anything too crazy, but it was like a solid probably 15 to 18 foot waves. Um, like short period wind chop though, because the winds were, were honking. And uh, we talked about it with the crew and then ended up doing a sling deployment, like downwind, downswell the boat. And uh, they already had like a mooring line kind of off the bow of the boat. So that was nice. Just kind of meeting with the boat and swimming, you know, downswell, yeah. downwind. And that was awesome. Just climbed on board and just did like a muscle up. And then <laughs> I'm just like, Hey, how's it going? You know, <laughs> what's up? <laughs> yeah. 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 I hear you guys need but, some help. Uh, yep. Yep. <laughs> and one thing that we did is, uh, that was pretty cool with experience. Uh, flight mechanics was, uh, we brought a couple of, uh, couple of survival suits, a couple of Gumby suits. Um, nice. So they just did like an indirect kind of pump delivery of some survival suits uh, once we got started because we knew they're going to have to get in the water. Um, just had them, you know, get in their Gumby suits. And then uh, they're like, can we bring our dogs? <laughs> and uh, they had one, well, they had one dog, one like little terrier or something like that. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, geez. <laughs> I, I guess. <laughs> so once it was all said and done, you know, we jumped in the water, kind of um, upswell of the boat with the, the, the first lady. Um, I think it was the guy's girlfriend. And she just held on to the little dog. I was like, don't let go of the little dog, you know, and just did a, uh, a basket pickup. That was pretty straightforward. And then I turn around and I just, you know, you're still a young swimmer. I'm just swimming as hard as I can back to the boat. And I look up and it's just like hundreds of yards away from yep, me. Yep. And, I, and I look and I look up at the helicopter and uh, uh, Dan Horde was the uh, flight mechanic. He already has the hoist hook in his hand with the strop. And he, I could see him laughing. I'm just like, all right, yeah, I'll, t I'll take it. <laughs> you know? I'm ready for uh, pickup. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was so funny. That was really funny. So yeah, we just uh, I just connect to that and then kind of circle around and just do another sling deployment and then uh, grab a hold of that mooring line and that's always a fun ride, you know, just getting whipped around with those waves and I finally got on board. I'm like, all right, it's your turn now. So he jumped in with the backpack with all their 
important belongings that they that they had at the time and did a basket hoist to him and then about 20 feet up the hoist you know a wave just smacked him and put him halfway out of the basket so it's like oh jeez oh, geez. like and that that's one that's one reason why you know they teach us never to look away like just swim away while right. you know, someone's getting hoisted up in the basket and that was like a perfect example i was like gosh dang it you know i had to swim over and like put him back in and the second hoist was you know easy peasy from there um yeah so we just went back to i think it was mckinleyville um and then met up with the ambulance uh once we finally got back there and i think we stayed overnight there too because we had been flying for i think eight hours already with the transit down there and then the the sar case itself but yeah that was that was my second one. I was like, this is really fun, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. You, yeah. uh, you had, you had a good time there in Astoria. Holy smoke. Dude. Yeah. Score Astoria was awesome. <laughs> really was. Well, all right. So do I need to fast forward to like the next good one or do you want to throw a couple others in there? I think there's, there's some smaller ones, but nothing memorable memorable like uh those first two those were no. really good <laughs> yeah they're <Gosh>. great <laughs> two back to back i think my second case uh that i had was nothing more than a search i was like oh <laughs> I, I remember yeah. i remember those i still remember some how long yeah. some of those are <laughs> oh my gosh they're ridiculous well i tell you what let's let's get into uh the next one because this one is another great write up but this was not just you and, and i'm gonna give a shout out to O'Brien Hollow because yeah, he was 100%. a big, yeah. Um, now this does not mention him directly, but the article that you, or the write up, the case write up that you sent me, you know, that has his name in it. And I, for everybody out there, I was going to read into it, but I'd rather just read the award and then Ty, I'd, I'd rather just, you just kind of walk us through it. Is that, is that cool? Yeah. Sounds good, man. All right, here we go. Citation to accompany the award of, the Meritorious Service Medal to Tyler Ganzel, Aviation Survival Technician, Third Class, United States Coast Guard. Pastor Ganzel is cited for heroic service in the performance of duty as a rescue swimmer aboard Coast Guard helicopters 6013 and 6035 on 21 July 2012 during the rescue of an injured hiker in the remote wilderness area of Mount Rainier in Washington. Pastor Ganzel conducted a dangerous and challenging life-saving rescue of a fellow Coast Guard member seriously injured after a 400-foot fall down a steep mountainside at night in the remote area of Tushush Lake, Washington. After the rescue helicopter located the injured hiker, Pastor Ganzel equipped himself with climbing ropes, medical equipment, and cold weather survival gear and descended into the ravine using a combination of rock and body belays. After several grueling hours, the two potential fatal falls, he reacted, he reached the injured hikers. Pastor Ganzel then provided critical medical care to help stabilize the hypothermic hiker. This 11 hour evolution, which was highlighted by a helicopter deployment to a snow and ice covered ridgeline required a treacherous descent of a 200-foot ice chute with a 45 to 70-degree slope to assess and transport the non-ambulatory and injured hiker while strapped to the backboard. 
Once the injured hiker was secure in the rescue litter and prepared for hoisting, concern that the hoisting area was not the safest location dictated a decision to move to a more open hoisting area. In a Herculean effort, oh, I love that. In a Herculean effort, Pedestrian Gansel helped move the injured hiker in the litter 100 feet down the unstable terrain to a new location. The new hoist area allowed for improved footing and fewer obstacles for the rescue helicopter during the hoist. His skills and heroism were instrumental in the rescue of the critically injured hiker. Pedestrian Gansel's de dedication and devotion to duty almost heartily commended in keeping with the highest traditions of the United States Coast Guard. Dude, that's insane. Yeah, yeah that was that was one that I will always remember. Absolutely. <laughs> that, right, was a, now, that was a tough night. The, the only reason I'm going to bring this up a little bit is because uh, this is the write-up you had sent me. And in it, without getting too far into it, you guys actually were not on duty at the same time. One of you got launched out for one case and then one of you got launched out for the other. And then you ended up meeting up. Is that accurate? I was on Saturday duty. Um, so there's only one duty crew that day. And yep. we knew that was going on and we were going to uh, launch on that SAR case. But down in, uh, I forget what the sea cave is down further down in Oregon by Newport. Um, there was a kid who was went out on low tide and then got a, got trapped on the cliffs at high tide. Um, so we had to go and do a, a vert surface of, you know, do a pickoff of that kid who was stranded um, before the, he got washed away. So we're like, ah, that's, that's pretty time sensitive right there. So they ended up calling another crew anyways, which was uh, O'Brien and the other crew. Okay. So we went down there, um, pretty straightforward vert surface. It wasn't anything crazy. And we just pretty much just airlifted and hoisted down to the beach to a waiting ambulance. And then we knew there's a, um, something more pressing. So we just beat feet, uh, back to Astoria to, uh, hot gas and, and go from there. Nice. So um, you're rolling up yeah, to O'Brien, yeah. <laughs> like, dude, I love O'Brien to begin with, but man, I having that, he had just finished like a mountaineering course in Colorado. Um, I think you remember that time where guys get, got sent to Colorado for like rock rescue or anything like yeah. that. So he had just got back from that. So, and I was uh, preparing to climb Mount Rainier is getting really into mountaineering. So everything happens for a reason, man. And uh, I think it was a, uh, uh, Jeff Tunk's uh, podcast you just did. Yep. He said something that resonates with me. And I, I truly believe in it. God doesn't call on the qualified. He qualifies the call. Can I get and, an amen? Man. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff Tunk. Um, cool. So, yeah. And that, that is such a good quote because it, it is very true, um, as you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, once we got back, uh, you know, O'Brien and I, uh, we kind of went back into the shop and just kind of did a, you know, a tactical pause before we just launch out on this thing. Because all we know is it's uh, one of the flight mechanics, uh, uh, Ben Jelka, and uh, uh, one of his friends at the time, she was a FS um, in the Coast Guard. And they're, they're hiking around Tatouche Lakes, uh, Washington. That's, that's all we knew. And he had taken a fall. Um, 
So we're like kind of kind of looking on, you know, Google, Google Earth, like what the train looks like at the cords that they gave us. Um, just try to like build some essay before we just um, get thrown into the boiling cauldron, you know? Yeah. Um, so with that being said, um, we ended up bringing snowshoes. Um, O'Brien brought crampons. Um, one of us brought the med ruck and the other uh, brought the like hypo and ropes kit. And uh, we yeah, get on the helicopter guys, sorry, and we did you guys have a full ropes kit at the at the unit built up ready to go? Yeah, it was just built up because uh, you know once a month we went out to uh, the Cape Disappointment and we do cliff ops. Oh um, right, there across the yeah. Okay. So we already we already had that built up for guys who go ahead and set up dummies um, for vert surface ops once a month. So nice. that was that was an easy grab for us. Cool. Very cool. Um, Cause I know not all yeah. units would have a full ropes kit bag ready to go for mountaineering like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we grabbed that, jumped on the bird and then just kind of did like rehearsals in flight. Like me and O'Brien were talking about what we're going to do, um, potentially what we might find. And, you know, it's, oh, we don't, we don't train for that really at all. Um, right. besides, you know, what guys do recreationally. Um, but there's another good quote my buddy has is like, you're only, you're only good at what you do. So, um, uh, that's another quote that resonates with me, but anyways, we, we get out there. I like we're that. about at 60. Yeah. You're only good at what you do. <laughs> you know, everything's perishable, but anyways, I digress. Uh, yeah, we, uh, we get out there and we're at about like 6,000, 7,000 feet in elevation uh, at a small range next to Mount Rainier. It wasn't on Mount Rainier. And uh, it was like an Alpine Lakes area with big steep cliffs. And we don't see anybody. And then we finally see someone waving a t-shirt. And we're like, that's got to be them. So the pilots are doing their thing. They're calculate, cal calculating uh, you know, power margins. And then they ended up having to do a, excuse me, a field dump um, before we pull into a hover because um, we're at like close to 7,000 feet. I think when we actually deploy for um, the FS, the female that was there. So we pulling over a hover, talking about what we, sh what we should do from there. And uh, they just hoist me down to talk to her, assess the situation, and then go from there. So I get down there with my snowshoes and I go over to her and she has a little lab with her, I believe. And uh, I was just like, Hey, where's, where's Ben at? Where was the fall? She kind of pointed towards the fall line. I was like, all right, you know, it's starting to get low light too. So we're kind of worried about that, but we had headlamps and everything. And uh, at the time we had those Dave Clark push to talks, which were money instead of using the swimmer radio. Yeah. just connected that to the Dave Clarks and that's the only technology, the good technology we had at the time. So it's better than nothing. Right. Um, so basket hoist of her and the dog and then uh, and the pilots did awesome. And the hoisting was awesome as well because um, they're dealing with some pretty severe gusts because, you know, ridge lines and everything are usually much windier than everywhere else. So um, yeah, they hoisted O'Brien to me with, he had the ropes and the hypo stuff and uh I just told him, Hey, this is where he is. Let's go see if we can call out to him at least. 
and the helicopters trying to orbit and try to find them um, for us. Uh, they couldn't find anything. And then O'Brien and I decided, well, there's not going to be any volunteer or any other service because a weather system's coming in. Like we have, we have to, we have to do this, you know, of we're not going to, and it's, you know, we know them too. So we're kind of emotionally, uh, I'd say involved at this point. We're like, yes, you know, we got to make good decisions for the safety of ourselves, but we're very emotionally invested in this. Um, right. cause he's our, he's our buddy. Um, yep. so yeah, we ended up, uh, a giant rock horn, uh, OB was uh, lowering me um, like a full rope length. And then uh, he rappelled down and then I lowered him and then I rappelled down. Um, but it was, it was very, it was a very steep, uh, like snowshoe. It's probably started off 70 degrees at the top. And then, you know, as it went down, it kind of mellows off, you know, like most drainages do. Yeah. Um, but we were doing call outs. We couldn't find him. Um, and now it's pitch black and we're like, he's not down this chute where she, where the FS2 said he was. So we're like, gosh, dang it. So, um, we, we decided at that time to just hang out like O'Brien does a rappel and he's going to check this other, the other side of this ravine on the other side of the ridge. Um, and we we're just in radio contact at that time. I'm just kind of holding on to this tree and, uh, just hanging out until I hear from him. So I hear from him and then I'm rappelling down and I just took a slip. You know, I, I was on, I was, I had a good uh, rappel device, but it was pitch black and I, I just slipped, lost my footing, lost my brake hand and ended up uh, shattering my headlamp. And then oh. that was, that was pretty scary. And I finally got a good brake hand and I looked down and there's this huge, if you know what a snow mode is, it looks like a crevasse, but it's just where the snow um, and the actual cliff face are separated. Okay. Um, so it's like a little chasm, you know? Um, yeah. And I was like, gosh, dang it. <laughs> that would have, that would have been pretty crappy. Um, so finished that, um, slipped again, cause the, the terrain was, was really bad and I didn't have a headlamp anymore. And really hit my back hard. I was like, gosh, dang it. Like you need a freaking put out, you know, you gotta stop doing this. Your liability to O'Brien. He's probably doing fine. Like, what is this guy doing? So, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I finally, um, get down to the bottom of the rappel and then I traverse over and, uh, see O'Brien with, uh, Ben under this cliff band or, nah, it kind of was a clip band. He had fallen and like wedged himself in this little V notch, um, where it is where he settled, uh, from falling all the way down into the Alpine Lake. That was a few hundred feet below us. Oh my so, God. I know, man, uh, in regards that, that was the, the good thing about, about it. <laughs> um, so finally get to him like, Hey, Hey man, sorry. Like I shattered my flashlight on a, on a little fall. So, but let's get this going. So we, uh, you know, Brian had stripped his clothes off. We put him in a hypo bag and then we hear a helicopter and it was a different helicopter because the other helicopter was uh, now on crew rest. They already flew six hours from the mission prior. So it was a new yeah. crew. 
And uh, they came overhead. They tried to hoist the litter to, to us, and we're just getting pretty decent size, like softball size rocks coming down on us. And we're like, hey, um, six zero, whatever it was, um, go ahead and uh, scram, you know, because uh, just the, the debris that was coming down, it wasn't safe. And we had them orbit and we talked about it. And uh, O'Brien went down to uh, receive the litter in a kind of a, a safer spot, kind of at the base of the scree field, maybe a couple hundred feet down or so. Yeah. And uh, I just went ahead and just, uh, you know, package bin the best I could. Cause we just put them in a hypo bag and got them trauma naked. And uh, then I actually, had the time to do uh, an appropriate assess assessment. He had step offs. He had a, a rock, um, a puncture wound with a rock still in his back. Oh, um, gosh. He had, yeah, he had multiple fractures on um, most of it, his extremities. Um, so he's he was in a bad way. I think he had a, a slight head injury too. Uh, but yeah, he was in, he was in a bad way. Um, so just packaged him. Did my med med treatment, uh, so on and so forth. And, you know, they completed the hoist, got the litter down to O'Brien. So I was like, sweet, you know, we're finally getting some forward progression in this. Um, and we just, we just told him, Hey, it's going to be a while, um, to get that litter up to him and then obviously get him somewhere safer. So they go and land, I think, in the Mount Rainier um, National Parks, like Visitor Center parking lot. <laughs> their story is, is really funny. They're like cars driving by. There's this helicopter in the middle of the parking <laughs> lot, you know. Um, pretty That's funny. Awesome. So uh, O'Brien radios to me like, hey, like, I don't know if I can get this freaking Stokes up here by myself. And I was like, well, what, did, what about just the backboard inside the Stokes? He's like, oh, yeah, good idea. So he just, you know, undid it and then strapped it to his, his back and was able to make it up to me. And then we packaged him, which was very difficult in this little V-notch where he settled. And the, the easiest, most straightforward way to get him down to a safer area was to lower him off of this cliff band. Um, which we talked about a lot. We didn't have any rock anchors, anything like that. Holy but smart. we had a good, we had a good stance. So we uh, rigged the litter um, with the uh, rope, the static rappel rope. Um, and we opted to honestly just lower from that cliff from there uh, with O'Brien on the litter. So like a two, a two person load. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to give it all I got, man. Like I'm behind this V notch. So I'm just going to set up for, a lower with you like a body belay so that was that was extremely tough um and you don't you don't want to fail because two of your buddies you know um, right, right so and it was it was the middle of the night and weather's starting to whip in it's getting windy and you could see a fog layer start to build on the alpine lake so we're like we have to freaking boogie man so lowered him off to this cliff band and then he when he got done with this like 50 foot cliff band, he got into a scree field, which kind of mellowed out and then just went till the, uh, till the, uh, rope, um, was out and he said he was good. So I was like, sweet, I'm going to take you off this body belay. And then I went down, down and around the path that O'Brien did to receive the litter. 
So I get up to him. He's kind of in between uh, some steep terrain still, uh, steep terrain, I'm sorry. And then uh, like, this is not a good spot either to hoist, you know, because um, it's going to be hoisting through the trees. So we're like, all right, let's do one more lower. And we can hear the helicopter like they're running out of time. We're like, give us 10 minutes, 10 minutes, guys, uh, get to a better spot. And then we ended up uh, lowering. Um, he's now in the Stokes, the Stokes litter now with the backboard, everything else. Um, nice. So, yeah, we do. We do another 100 foot lower on uh, some very uh, steep, steep wooded terrain. Um where, you know, you'd have to be on all fours as that was that steep lower them finally in the middle of the drainage where there's absolutely no trees. But the only bad thing was the helicopter. Their only option to affect the hoist was nose into the, was nose into the ravine into the cliff. So we're like, this is, this is all we got, you know, and they're running out of fuel and they, that's when we, we had, we had two, we had four uh, trail lines. So two heavy weather trail lines. So one was connected to the hoist hook as, as per standard. And then we're like, heck that, you know, forget that we're attaching another two to the foot of the litter. Um, just because of, you know, how the winds were swirling and it was, it was, they're having a difficult time, you know, holding this hover, um, nose into the cliff. And that must've been nerve wracking uh, for them. So, Ended up hoisting, hoisting it up. It was about like 190 foot hoist. And then, uh, wow. you know, the flight mechanic got him in the helo. And then we just did, uh, you know, the mad poo of me and, o, me and O'Brien, um, kind of fending off the cliffs on, on the way up and then, uh, got in the helicopter and then went to, I believe Olympia, Washington, um, hopped on a ambulance, helped helped the uh, EMTs along the way and then did a pass down with the, uh, with the uh, surgical team uh, in the ER about what happened, what are his wounds were. Um, and, you know, as soon as you, you probably know this, as soon as like the patient, you know, is in good hands, usually all their compensation, their uh, uh, compensated shock starts to release and they relax right. and yeah. then they, they go into, sort of decompensation. So he, he actually started to bleed from all his wounds finally oh, when he no. got to the ER. So that was, that was pretty crazy to see. That was my first time actually, you know, seeing that in person. So, um, but we did, he was alive and I think he's still standing duty this day. It took him a year or so to recover. So, um, what? pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah pretty man, cool. That's awesome. And then, then we got back and finally we got back. I think it was like I don't know, 11, 10 or 11 hours later since we got the call so it was, a, it was a long night that's for sure holy smoke all right so i gotta ask like did did you leave the girl the fs back there or did you take her to or did she have a car or something the uh the the first helicopter crew i think took her back to because she i think she was stationed at cape disappointment oh okay cool. so i think they took her back to the air station and then had someone pick her up or just I, making I'm not sure, sure you guys didn't totally leave her yeah. you just gotta, gotta double check you know <laughs> yeah yeah i think oh, she man. climbed down to see how he was doing too so i mean she did a lot of crazy stuff as well um wow but yeah <laughs> that is it's nuts holy smoke Good job, yeah. man. Like, yeah. Oh, wow. Time, you, time to put put out or get out. That was definitely one of those missions, you know. It, you know what? That is exactly why we work out. I'm just saying. 
Dude, I, I, yeah, I tell you what, that was, that was definitely the first uh, mission. I was like, this is why we do it. This is why we train hard and, yeah. you know, stay, stay with it like mentally as well, not just physically. Right. Cool. hundred percent. Yeah. And yeah, man, yeah, it was, it was good. I was glad I had O'Brien on there with me because as, as you know, he's a yeah. phenomenal guy. He's super calm, super fit, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, OB is awesome. Um, anyways. Love the guy. There's, there's a lot of things to be learned in, out of that too. That just, I mean, so much you guys went outside of the box and, to make a good outcome, like, well done. That's awesome. Do you and yeah. the, all the yeah. crews, both, <laughs> both crews, OB, yeah. get all amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, I could, I, I'm no pilot, but that it looked pretty tough when I was looking up. I was like, oh man, you're really we, close to those, uh, those clips. <laughs> tell you what, we need, but, uh, I, one of the pilots that was on that case, call me. Let's, let's get your perspective too. All right. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. A couple of them were, I think, yeah, Ben Berman, he's retired now. And then uh, uh, Nate Coulter, I think he's a uh, 06 now up in maybe Kodiak or something. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. Sir, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Give us a call. Love to hear it. Yeah. Like, that's, that's <laughs> insane. Ah, good job, man. Dude, thanks for sharing. That's, uh, yeah, man. That is something else. <laughs> yeah. I can see all of it too. Wow. Yeah. I, I love sharing stories and I love hearing stories because I mean, that's, that's how I get better. I love to like visualize uh, before I go out on a mission. If I've heard similar stories to see how, you know, do it better. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, you know, it's kind of a, a thing I'm, I'm asking now is it, is it, looking back at that case, is there anything you could have or would have done different? Uh, I would have brought crampons <laughs> instead of snowshoes. Hey, um, right <laughs> I, I, I threw those, those things were awful. I just threw them into the void. I was so tired of them. Oh. Uh, things I would have done better. Um, gosh, I mean, I didn't have the, the knowledge back then, but definitely a better, I mean, every, everyone should get sent to some sort of ropes course, um, even as swimmers. And I think they do now. And I think the guys are doing a really good job nowadays, but especially in like Alaska, the Northwest, yeah. you know, cause your guys are always doing stuff in the mountains there always. And then the coastal cliffs, of course. Yeah. Um, so if, if I were to ever hint to, you know, other commands in the coast guard, obviously I'm not in it now, so it doesn't matter. So right, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, send your guys to that, you know, um, set them up for success because I, I felt very, untrained to do that and it really it made me it made me mad because i was like i'm not i'm not giving it all because i don't i need to know this this basic stuff you know yeah. um, besides my own rec recreational time um but that would that would be the the only thing to, that resonates for me from that uh that start case that's pretty good then I, i'd say you had yeah. the whole case on point then well done yeah <laughs> badass man holy smoke I'll tell you what, man, I, after that, you if, if you had any other ones there, I'm all about it. Uh, if not, I know right after the Coast Guard, you um, you opted to get out of the Coast or lateral over. Is that how did you do that? Yeah. Yeah. I was uh, like six months out from my six year commitment in the Coast Guard. So um, 
yeah, I ended up uh, talking to some PJs at a advanced helicopter rescue school and that's the ball just got rolling from there. I was like, man, that's, that's pretty awesome. And I was, I was kind of like, ah, is there, I mean, I love the swimmer gig. It's awesome. Yeah. But you know, everyone gets that itch. Like, yeah. Oh, what would it, would it be like on that side? You know? Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to play around with that. I was like still young enough in my career. I'm going to do it. So I, I tried out for, I think Nick Watson was a PJ newer PJ up in Alaska at the time. And, uh, He's just like, hey, there's a tryout here at the 212th Rescue Squadron. And he's like, come on down if you want to give it a shot. And I didn't know too much else other than it's a tryout similar to swimmer school. So I'm still doing underwaters Tuesdays and Thursdays at the shop. So I was yeah. like, let's do this. So, yeah, ended up uh, uh, doing the tryout and got a slot. And then um, I think that was like May of 2013. And then I got out August of 2013. And then I, ha I actually had uh, a SAR case that wasn't physically the hardest, but was probably one of the hardest SAR cases I've ever had right before I got out. And uh, do tell. Um, yeah, it was a uh, yeah, sinking vessel about 40 miles offshore, like a tuna, a tuna boat. Uh, one, guy, one guy on board. And it was like zero loom out, like low 300 foot ceilings in the middle of July. I can't remember what date. And uh, it's fine. Nothing, nothing came of this because uh, I, I got out and it was just like, oh, he got out and then this happened. But it's, it's all good. Um, you learn from these things. So anyways, got the call. So our alarm went off in the middle of the night. We got out there and... Uh, we get over this boat and we're talking to the captain over um, channel 16 and uh, yeah, we're, he's underway. We're like, Hey, just, you know, go dead in the water. Cause the waves were about eight to 10, like short chop, nothing crazy. Yeah. But the, the zero loom was, was tough. It was tough for the pilots. Um, so instead of hoisting to the to the boat, because there's tons of outrigging and just stuff sloshing back and forth, and you could see the boat listing to the the starboard side uh, quite a bit, and we're like, all right, well, let's just uh, you know deploy the swimmer, and he'll swim to the boat while it's uh, dead in the water, and then we'll go from there. So ended up just doing a just a you know direct deployment hoist, um, disconnected from the hoist hook swam my butt off, um, climbed on board because we knew he was listing. So we wanted to get underway as, as quick as possible and try to dewater this boat. Yeah. So, um, talked to the, you know, the, the captain in the wheelhouse. I was like, Hey, you know, get underway into the waves, hold whatever course it was. And I was like, you hold that. And, uh, we tried to do a, uh, I wish we would have done an indirect pump delivery because of the amount of obstacles on the boat. Um, and that was a lesson learned. It's like, you know, at that time I had quite a bit of experience doing port and starboard for so long. Yeah. And I should have st stuck to my guns, um, you know, relaying that to the, the crew um, just because I knew the situation I was at on the deck. Um, so that's a lesson learned too, is stick to your guns. Don't, uh, don't be pressured by others. You know, you, you're the guy 
you're the the man in the arena. No one else sees what you see, you know. Um, so we tried a you know underway tagline pump pump delivery. Um, the immediately the the tagline or trail line got fouled in the outrigging, so I had to like kind of climb up on it, try to undo it. I was like, gosh dang it! Oh, so I finally got the finally got the tagline going. And this is another thing that was on me is uh, you know. Uh, the, uh, the captain was, you know, under the influence, um, at the time. So he, <laughs> and it was zero, zero loom. So I was trying to get this pump there. And then he went one, 180 or something like that. Um, while they're underway trying to hover over the boat and the helicopter almost, they got, you know, lost target and almost impacted the mast of the, the boat. Oh um, it was God. close. It was, it was very close. And as soon as that happened, you know, they, I think the, the co, uh, took controls or something, something like that happened. They pulled collective and they're out of there, you know, tag tagline weak link broke. And I just look up and I see the pump connected to the hoist hook, just banging at the bottom of the helicopter, just, you know, severe oscillation, but they, they departed, went into the clouds and just got forward airspeed and, uh, just got out of there. And so. I kind of got on the radio. I'm like, a six zero, whatever the tail number was. I was like, hope you guys are all right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was like, well, I'm still on this. So I'm going to try to dewater it. <laughs> the guy had some Home, De Home Depot buckets, but I, I was mad. And as soon as I heard him like start slurring and everything like that, I was like, gosh, dang it. Um, you son of a. <laughs> so, yeah. And uh, started trying to dewater with a Home Depot bucket, but I wasn't keeping up. And we took one, hey, one wave over the starboard side. You're better man than I am. I think I would have joined them for a drink. I'm just saying. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. I would not have done that. But it's... Yeah. <laughs> Did you save a little for the rest of us? I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, gosh, I need a, I need a drink now. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, I took a wave over the starboard side. And it started filling up below decks. I'm like, holy smokes, like, uh, this is not good. <laughs> I'm, I'm not keeping up with this. No, no chance in, in hell, you know? Um, yeah. so I get up to the wheelhouse. I'm like, you put this life jacket on right now. And, uh, I hear, you know, the helicopter say, Hey, the, um, surf station boat is uh, the motor life boats about 30 minutes out. I'm like, man, I don't, I don't got 30 minutes. This thing's probably going to sink. Oh, <laughs> and uh, they're like, oh, okay, well, we can't, we don't feel comfortable completing a hoist off that boat. I was like, all right, Roger that. And as soon as they said that, another wave came over the starboard side and swapped, swapped the boat completely. Below decks was now uh, under the deck. So, you know, it was completely underwater. And as soon as I point, I was like, life jacket right now. I was like, I'm just getting my fins ready because I see where this is headed. And as soon as I said that, the power went off and it was just oh very eerie. God. And it, it's, it sounded just like this. It was like, and I was like, oh, God, it's terrifying. It's like zero loom out. It's super scary. All I see is like the boat underway still turning with like the, you know, the phytoplankton like lighting up. I was like, oh, so creepy. And I tried to get to the wheelhouse and then the boat just pitched, pitched up, you know, kind of like the, the Titanic when it sank yeah. know, the movie and just went straight down with uh, me right at the wheelhouse uh, with the, the fishing boat captain. And uh, we both get sucked under and Holy that was just, 
Shit. That was very, very terrifying. <laughs> I it was I was under for a little bit. I don't know how long. Um, but I have a dry suit, so I popped right up um, as soon as you know the undertow um, released me, and I was just worried about you know fishing nets and lines and all that junk, you know. And then I see the uh, you know the life raft pop up, you know, because um, you know seawater activated. So I see that pop up, and I turn on you know my my uh, helmet torch, and I'm just searching this debris pile in the waves. I'm like, crap. Like, I hope he wasn't in the wheelhouse because I knew he was right there. And, uh, yeah, he ended up popping out and he didn't have his life jacket on or he had it on one arm. I was like, holy smokes. And uh, I could hear the helicopter in the distance. I was like, hey, we're in the water. Boat sank. And then they came, lowered the rescue basket. It was a more straightforward hoist, you know, once we're in the water. Right. Um, But I just, yeah, from there, I think uh, put him in the basket. I got in the basket and then just beat feet back to, I think, Cape Disappointment, where we met up with, uh, you know, like law enforcement and ambulances. Excuse me. But yeah, that was, that was, that was the one I probably remember the most. (laughs) Ty, that's freaking crazy. Yeah, it was, it was nuts, man. (laughs) You came in with a bang and you left with a bang. Holy Gosh, it was literally like 12 days or something like that before I, my last day, I was like, holy smokes. Well, <laughs> yeah, I gotta, gotta do something. But, uh, yeah, anyways, that was, it was nuts, man. It was nuts. But, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely fortunate that everyone made it out. All right. <laughs> wow. Wow, man. Just wow. <laughs> I, I'm kind of in awe at the moment. I'm just like, yeah that's freaking awesome well yeah definitely definitely a big man the big man looks out for us sometimes oh no doubt (laughs) i'm not i'm not very religious but i I believe that that's for sure hey we're just we're giving him a helping hand he calls on us all the time he says hey yeah (laughs) ty i need you to go do this for me today all right i'm a little busy over here (laughs) (laughs) with that italian accent yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm a little busy (laughs) oh my gosh Ty that's amazing good job dude. yeah and then yeah got out August 1st and then a few months later finally started you know the the PJ pipeline and now how long so, have you been pararescue oh man I think I started in January 2014 nice and up till now yeah so you know I gotta ask I mean I've been in PJ for a little while pararescue yep yep are we allowed <laughs> what, to, what do you want to know I, am i allowed to ask i don't even know is it top oh story? yeah oh totally <laughs> no man i won't i won't say some things because it's other people's stories but uh i'll tell you tell you whatever you want to know man so the, the first question is if you got any cool rescues out of being a pj Cause I, you know, like yeah. I've got PJ friends that, that have got some crazy stories and they're like, ah, it wasn't that bad. Crazy. I didn't get shot. I'm like, what, yeah. what do you mean? Okay. But they're gnarly stories. So I'll yeah. take one. And it's, yes. Yeah, it's, and it's just like, uh, just like the swimmer community. Like everyone doesn't get the gnarly one all the time. You know, it just, it comes in waves, you know, when it's your yeah. time, it's your time. Um, 
yeah. So when I finally finished training, I got up to Alaska and, you know, it's just like nonstop training and qualifications. Like it took a year to get like mission qualified after the pipeline. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Um, the cool thing about Alaska is we do civil, civil SAR as well, which is nice. Um, especially if you have a deployment that's not busy, which I've had. Yeah. Um, I'd say like on the civil SAR side, I think one of the missions that sticks out with me is, uh, there's a, a local like climber mountaineer in the Chugach, uh, uh, front range here in, in Anchorage. Um, he was just making like a solo attempt on this peak called avalanche peak. And, uh, I was on alert. We call it, it's not duty. It's called alert. Um, and I was on weekend alert. So you're on 24 hours call, but you're just at home and you just wait for a call. And that's, that's how alert works up here. Um, we have two, two crew, we have two PJs on, on helo alert. And we also have two PJs on C-130 alert for, medevacs or jump missions or whatever it is. Nice. Um, that's, that's just how we roll. Uh, we're quite busy, <laughs> quite busy. So we, uh, get the call, this guy who had fallen a few hundred feet and that's, that's all we know. We just got cords from the, uh, RC, AKRCC, the rescue coordination center. And we launch it's about midnight or so. And we just see a, a lone headlamp, um, at the base of this cliff band. And we knew that you might have some, uh, some chest wall injuries. So we're like, okay, um, let's try to make it more comfortable and try to get like a litter hoist out of this, if it makes sense. Um, so we finally get over the top and the winds are whipping. They're just coming off the top of this cliff band right on the helo. And then there's, you know, very, very steep, like a couple thousand feet below this cliff band. And it's the middle of the night. Um, thankfully, it was pretty clear out, but it was very windy. Um, so we just, you know, we go down with their MVGs, uh, me and my uh, alert partner. And uh, and he probably doesn't mind. His name's Brandon. Um, so we go down and then we're like, holy smokes, this is like steep. <laughs> and, and then we thought it was going to be good snow, but it was actually steep uh uh, snice, I call it like snow ice. It just hardened oh, up with all yeah, the wind. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was very steep. So we're like, I don't know if we should unhook right now. You know. <laughs> so <laughs> wait, a minute. are you guys connected to the hoist deck together as you're getting lower down? Oh. Yeah, yeah. We 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 rate we raise up our MVGs and we're looking at each other and we're like, <laughs> this is a pickoff. And Brandon's like, yeah, dude. <laughs> so. We finally get to the the wall, um, the snice, I call it. And um, Brandon had his his crampons on, so he just starts digging in. And he's like, I'm disconnecting, dude. You you got to do this because we probably won't have too many chances. And uh, he disconnects. I'm like, all right. So I basically, uh, you know, freaking ice climbing up to this dude. Uh, at the base of this cliff band and I finally get up to them and uh, I'm still attached to the hook. They did a phenomenal job. You know, it wasn't your, your quite the vert surface technique. There's a little <laughs> loop. So I, I knew if I, I fell, I'd shock load the heck out of that cable. So we um, need to do a little it, but, training. But you're in it. I'm hearing. I, 
All I heard was training. No, training. I mean, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we, we do it. We do it a lot, actually, uh, vert surface training, but we're already there. Yeah. And uh, we're just trying to make it, make it work. Um, so I'm going up and he's just kind of paying out a little slack, not too much slack as I climb up to the guy. And I get up to him and I'm just like, I was like, what are your injuries? And he's like, I got my ribs. So I just feel it. I could tell it's a flail chest. Oh. And he's wearing a like a climb a climbing backpack. He has, you know, one micro spike on. He's got a, a whip it. You know, it's a trekking pole with a little ice axe attachment. Yep. And uh I was like, dude, I was like, this is gonna hurt really bad. But I was, I'm gonna lasso you with this uh, rescue device and we're going up. I was like, I'll give you some drugs here in a bit, but we gotta go. <laughs> so I like <laughs> I quick strop him route the quick strop, uh, oh. you know, just like so. Cause he and uh, flailed chest and yeah, Ouch. yeah, and winds are yeah. I know. I was and I was like, that we, we have to make this work like like yeah. so. And uh, yeah, winds were winds were whipping pretty bad. Um, so the helicopters like doing their best to stay in a good hover with the references they had, and uh, yeah, end up. Uh, I didn't put the crotch strap. I was like, we got to go. Like they're starting to, you know do some of this. So I was like, I don't want to get ripped away from this cliff, you know, with the winds picking up. Right. Right. And, uh, yeah, I give the ready, you know, ready for pickup. Um, and then they kind of get over top and then, you know, standard, standard hoist. And that guy's just screaming in pain. I'm like, I'm so sorry, dude. And then the winds coming off the top of the cliff with the rotor washer, we were spinning the worst spin I've, I've ever had. Oh. I'm just seeing like, I'm just seeing like black, white, black, white, you know, from the, the snow and the hover yeah. lights and yeah. the, the sky. And I'm just like, Holy smokes. And we're starting to plane out too. And I'm just, I'm just thinking, uh, like, I wish I'd put that crop strap. on. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, finally, you know, we have skis on our helicopter. So they, you know, fold the ski down when we're hoisting, um, finally grabbed the folded ski and I'm like, boom, finally stop. I'm like, Oh, thank you. So get in the helicopter and I give them a, a, a fentanyl lollipop is what we call them. Amen. Them some, some, some ketamine as well. Uh, nice. Um, uh, I am into his muscle uh, just to kind of, kind of re relax them and at least he can have a good time somewhat, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then just treat, treating him in the back and I'm looking over, they're doing the last voice to pick up uh, Brandon and he's, he's spinning like a top two, but yeah. And then thankfully we're pretty close to town. So it was like a short 10 minute flight back to the, the, you know, Providence here. Yeah. Um, so that, that one stuck out with me. It was really fun. It was, it was tough. It was, it was a tough. Wow. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. So to help you out with that spin, just tell the pilots to go forward flight next time. You'll be fine. Yeah. If uh, Brandon wasn't still down there, then yeah, we would you can go for back sure. for him. He'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. He'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Oh my gosh, yeah. gosh, dude. You know, one of the guys had a ride like that with a patient not too long ago where the tagline snapped and they're spinning and they're just starting to plane out and they're just, they're just like, boom. Yeah. yeah. Forward flight. And the only 20... thing bad up here is before forward flight is it's like negative 20 out. Oh, so it's cold. So <laughs> it is freezing when you go forward flight. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So that sucks. But at least you're not spinning. Yeah. Not... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nah, nah. Damn, yeah, man, that's crazy. Gosh, you're yeah. like a little star <laughs> magnet. Jeez. Yeah, guys have some 
nuts stories up here. Like I should probably tell them to contact you, but oh, please like do. Uh, Brand, the Brand, Brandon, the guy I was with, he's had five jump missions in Alaska, just gnarly stuff for our E9 right now. That's, that's the cool thing about up here is like our E8s and E9s all stand alert all the time. Oh. They get jump, they get jump missions and they're like, one of them did a bear mauling mission. Jumped, oh. jumped into it like interior Alaska. <laughs> it was pretty epic. <laughs> okay, all right. We need some contacts. I'm all about a good story. Yeah. Holy cow! Yeah, dude, Ty, yeah. these are these are crazy. This is awesome. The, dude, I'm uh, digging this, recently, man. I'm digging this. The most trauma I've ever had um, in Alaska was actually a month or so ago. Uh, probably a couple of months. Um, there's a couple of sheep hunters in the Wrangles, Wrangle yeah. St. Elias National Park. Um, or outside of that, somewhere near there. And uh, you know, one of them, um, you know, he was heads down with a heavy pack, you know how that is. Yeah. And he he looks up, he's at the base of this glacier, this, you know, in this valley, um, in the middle of nowhere. And he looks up and he just sees a brown bear cub kind of run away from him. And he's just like Oh my uh -oh. gosh. And we, we met up with him actually a couple of weeks ago to see how he's doing. And we had some beers and stuff with his friends. Uh, it, was, it was really cool. Um, and he said, he, he looks over and he just sees, you know, brown bear style mama on her hind legs, like 70, he said 70 yards away and just boom, full dead sprint. He got his pack off, um, but he didn't, have any rounds in the chamber because he's with his buddy he didn't want to flag him going through the brush you know um so he said he tried to you know shoot it go click nothing happened so immediately he just went to his his stomach and protected his neck and uh you know he's his story you know she was just stomping on him biting him every, everything like that for a while and then uh yeah his hunting partner is like 200 meters behind him so finally caught up with them and did like, you know, sheep hunters are super minimalist, so they don't have much on them just to save weight. Yeah. So he's, he covered them with, you know, game bags and all that stuff. And then immediately pressed the, you know, the SOS on their inReach. And my buddy Sonny and I were already en route to Fairbanks. We usually do that once a week, every so often um, for like some training. And uh, so we're already airborne and they would have had to call the, recall the alert crew at home, which would have taken another hour. So we're like, RCC is like, you guys go. And these uh, Fairbanks trips are really funny because we, the helo is packed because each PJ has about five duffels each with alert gear. We have like survival ruck. We got a water bag. We got a mountain bag. We got our med rucks. We have our warmy bag for the winter. Just everything loaded, you have to take it all to the you, ne you never know yeah. you never know what mission we're going to have it's like it's very diverse but anyways it's packed so, in the kitchen sink and and the air <laughs> and the air cruise bags as well for like their 72 hour bag so this thing's Jeez. top to bottom in the the 60 so that's the standard that's our standard trip you know every so often but we go we go direct um to the spot which is about a two two and a half hour flight for us um we drop bags on this mesa in the middle of nowhere and we just mark position. We're like, we'll come back for our bags. <laughs> and we, uh, me and my buddy are prepping all the med gear in the back of the helo and just 
you know, dirt diving, what we're going to do. And, uh, we go up the valley, the cords are exactly what they told us they were. And we kind of offset, we didn't want to blow rotor wash, um, into the survivor. Cause we could see like, is the game bags were a little soaked with blood. So we're like, Ooh, okay. Yeah. Um, so we, the pilots do a two wheel, um, drop us off and then nice. we just hike over to this guy. Yeah. The pilots up here are phenomenal at mountain flying, you know? Um, so yeah, we just hike over to him. Uh, I was the team leader on this, uh, you know, Sonny's been in longer, but sometimes it's just like Rochambeau, paper, scissors, rock for who's the <laughs> medic and who's the, who's yeah, the team yeah. leader. He's like, ah, I haven't done medicine in a while. I was like, I'd like to do some medicine if we get a mission. So I was like, all right, dude. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we get up to this guy and Sonny's, you know, starts as a, we, we go by an acronym, uh, March pause. So massive hemorrhage, airway, respiration, circulation, head and hypothermia, and then pain, antibiotics, wounds, and splinting. So it's an easy acronym to, nice. to remember. I like that. Uh, instead, instead of just ABCs, you know, uh, March pause, because we, we just do that and uh, deploy it all the time. So it works. Um, yeah, so Sonny's uh, treating this guy. And I'm talking to his hunting partner. I'm like, where's, where's the bear? You know, we had a bear gun with us, a little uh, a 10 mil, um, but definitely not enough for, to, for a south cubs. Um, right. So yeah, the brown bear was um, 600 yards up this knoll, but you know, they could cover distance in a second. So had his buddy post up with his hunting rifle. Well, we treated the guy and uh, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of wounds, a lot of hidden wounds because he's wearing his clothes. We're like, man, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to cut your nice Kuyu clothing, <laughs> uh... um, get your trauma naked. So we got him trauma naked, got him on the, the vacuum splint. That's what we use for splinting and got him in the hypo bag and into the stokes. And we started treating him, gave him ketamine. I am right off the bat. And then, uh, as soon as, you know, the compensation factor again, he started bleeding from all his wounds and you know, half his tricep was missing, oh. um, severe lacerations on the back of his head, puncture wounds like neck to navel. So, oh, and then he had a softball size hole in his hamstring and a bunch of other lacerations all over his body. So it was, it was really bad. Um, but you know, tough young guy, um, handled it pretty well. So as soon as it started bleeding really bad, we started doing pressure dressings, tourniquets. we did chest seals on all the neck to navel puncture wounds. So all that massive hemorrhage, uh, uh, treatments we did. So we're like, Holy smokes. Um, gave him some more uh, pain meds. His blood pressure is fine. So we prior to the hoist, like the helicopter had to leave for 40 minutes cause they're low on fuel. So they had to refuel with the C-130 in air. Um, so they have that probe that just sticks into the C-130 so they could refuel while in flight. Yeah. And uh, we also had another couple PJs who brought blood on the C-130. So oh, nice. we had that, we had that, we had that option for a transload. Um, so we give this guy some more pain meds, some Versed and ketamine. And uh, prior to the hoist, when they came back, um, just cause it, it could be jerky and it's very painful. So um, yeah, I just, I just ran the tagline. Sonny wrote up uh, we call it barrelman. So just, you know, a rescuer on the litter. Um yeah, pretty straightforward hoist from there. He got inside. 
um, started treating and then I hoisted up with the other guy, just quick drop. And then, uh, once we got inside, we had another 30, 40 minutes in flight of treatment. So, um, you know, Sonny got line started, everything like that. We gave this guy IO like or 200 mil. IV? No, he, he nailed a, a 16 gauge um, in his AC. It was awesome. Damn. You know, this guy. Your boy's yeah, on point. This guy Good is job, awesome. dude. Yeah. Yeah. Sonny is, Sonny is amazing at IVs. Like he does them so fast too. And uh, so it was like, sweet. We don't have to worry about IO, you know? And then uh, we gave that guy like, freaking couple hundred milligrams of ketamine and like eight of her said never touched his BP and never touched his, uh, usually when we give people like 200 milligram of ketamine, yeah. they're out They're yeah. They're seeing, they're seeing the wizard. Um, so his pain level pain. is so high. The pain is good, dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Guy was in a lot of pain, but he was tough, tough as nails, but and then we just gave him, you know, packaged him some more. I gave him some antibiotics. You know, we give like erdapenem. It's kind of a broad spectrum antibiotic. Um, and then I look outside and we're refueling with the C-130 again. I'm like, oh, smokes. <laughs> There's the 130. And I, I kind of give a, a pass down to, because uh, we're talking about transloading at a dirt strip in the middle of nowhere wow. to, to a 130. They can get them to Anchorage much faster. Right. And, uh, yeah, I did a pass down. We go with an acronym called, uh, AT miss. So age, time, mechanism, injury, injuries, signs and symptoms and treatments given. It's just a quick, quick pass down, you know? And then, uh, yeah, we finally land at, uh, some dirt strip in the middle of nowhere. And then a couple of guys, a couple of our dudes from work, uh, kind of walk over and they're like, what's up guys, you know? like this guy's messed up man so and we just you know another pass down those guys did so much more on the 130 they found a lot of stuff that we didn't and did a lot of packaging and i think they gave them another 200 of ketamine never even passed out and then another eight of said and tons of other drugs and i'm not sure if they gave them blood or not but they had it on board and that was that and then me and sunny and with the crew just went back to fairbanks for did you go pick up your bags, <laughs> all your gear? Did you go? Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. We, we did. We did. Yeah. <laughs> Mark that position. Yeah. We got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of money in those bags. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Damn, man. That is awesome. <laughs> You've had one heck of a career. Dude, I, I, well, you and I are going to have fun. to keep in touch because, like, when other stuff comes up, you just call me. We'll do this again. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all about it. Man. Uh, I got to guess some of the guys have just insane, way crazier stories than probably I'll ever have. Like plane crashes with people alive in them and having to use the jaws of life. And wow. Just, just nuts stuff, you know? And um, yeah, deployed. I've, I've been busy, um, but nothing like super crazy like the early days in Afghanistan. Like those guys, just insane stories, just insane. Um, yeah. <laughs> noted duly noted yeah yeah <laughs> well ty i listen i've taken like a lot of your time today and uh dude i appreciate all of these stories they are amazing um i'm gonna open the floor to you for any advice you would give training or tips and tricks or anything that you've learned now that you'd pass on i'm all about it 
training and everything like that. I mean, again, it goes to that comment that my buddy always says, you're only good at what you do. So, you know, if you find yourself kind of stagnant or jaded or anything like that, just, you know, kind of realign yourself and, you know, train hard, you know, uh, visualization always works for me um, when I do a workout or something like that. So um, can you visualize yourself getting better at something? Um, that always helps for me. Um, but I mean, not, nothing, nothing crazy, man. Just, uh, you know, swimmers, BJs, whoever else, you know, the, the job's awesome. And just be fortunate that you are doing that job to help somebody else because man, that, there's no, there's no greater calling. So I, I, I mean, I got, I got nothing in that regards, man. Just, yeah, uh, love, take love your podcast. Love your podcast. Thanks, and I man. love hearing other people's story. Yeah. It's awesome. The bonuses, I don't actually have to talk too much. It's all you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I might throw an occasional joke out there. Some of them are funny. Some of them are not. I'm okay with both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dude, Ty, thank you so much, dude. I, I can't, I can't, I really can't thank you enough, brother. Um, this has been awesome. I, I definitely a major treat for me. So, but yeah, likewise, dude. Likewise. Thanks. And uh, I'll be in touch. I promise you when I come to Alaska, you're, you're going to be one of my first. Heck yeah. After Bob. Yeah, dude, Watson. Let's go ice climbing. Let's go. Oh, let's go ice climbing. Do not tease me with a good time. All right. Cause <laughs> I, I, I won't <laughs> done. No, I, you heard it here. I'm, I'm going to hold you to that. All right. Skiing, whatever you want to do. <laughs> Eck. All right, brother, man, have a good night and uh, fly safe. Be safe up there, brother. And with that, Later, ladies bro. and gentlemen, we are out of here. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Real Rescue Podcast. Please take a minute to like, subscribe, and hit that share button. I'm pulling chocks and taking off. But before I go, if anyone out there has a rescue story they would be willing to share, I would be humbled and honored to have you on as a guest. Or if you have any questions about rescue or anything else we talk about here, send an email to jason at therealrescue.com that's jason at t-h-e-r-e-a-l-r-e-s-q.com you can also check us out on our web pages therealrescue.com our facebook page and our instagram page at the real rescue again a special thank you to all of you standing on the watch today always remember when that star alarm goes off those in distress are praying for a miracle they are going to get you. Until next time, fly safe and swim hard. <laughs>